You're listening to the DTB Introduces HCL Commerce Podcast. Welcome back for episode six, Heard It Through the Grapevine. Hosting today's session is Deeper Than Blue's Chris Booker. He's joined by HCL Commerce's Peter Walton. So today I've got Pete Wharton from HCL, HCL Commerce's business unit um, on our podcast. I'm Chris Booker from Deeper Than Blue. Welcome, Peter. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. And thank you for joining. Thank you for joining us today. Sure, no, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good chat. Yeah, uh, e-commerce is, as you're probably aware, very central to my heart and uh, something that we... Uh, Deeper Than Blue love to uh, engage with clients on projects uh, with and uh, delivering successful solutions for them. So we've got some questions obviously to to ask you today and to talk through on the podcast. Um, Let me get started with the various different forms of commerce that customers can review, select and purchase. Um, If we put this maybe into context and talk about them being available as SaaS, as an offering, as one option. Um, another option is, you know, the classic on-premise license that we've known for the last 20 years. And then the third is um, the ability to run it, the software and the commerce proposition anywhere as a cloud native or certainly on a cloud environment. Just wanted to get your thoughts and uh, experience of how the market's shaping up and where HCL is positioning itself today, but also in the future. Yep, no, that's a great question. You know, if I if I maybe start with on-premise, it's probably the smallest part of the marketplace, but there are certain companies out there that want total control. They want total control over their data. They want total control of the experience. Um, they want total control over maybe the security. And that's what on-premise gives you when you put it behind your firewall as a as a private cloud that that's what you get so and that tends to be that really top-end high-end type part of the market it's the you know the fortune 50 type companies is where i would position where i would position on-prem and then i I start looking at uh, SaaS and multi-tenant and i i you know We've been on a journey with cloud. I think cloud is the the the, the path forward. But I look at that as sort of the traditional um, cloud approach. I think it's it has some benefits, particularly about you know time to market, um, maybe some t- uh, total cost of ownership. But I think that's being uh, eroded now. But it's it's it comes with limitations. And if you're willing to give up those limit and um, live with those limitations, I think that traditional SaaS approach is good. But, you know, I, I just look at what's happening in the marketplace, that digital is becoming more and more important to, to your business, to your uh, top line growth. You know, do you really want to give up some of that control and live with those limitations when solutions that are built and based on cloud native give you a, a, a lot of those those benefits. So that's that, that's sort of how I would position it. I see cloud native as the um, the architecture that moves you forward. I think it's a, a, a design or an approach that 
allows you to put a lot more control back into the, the overall approach, but also back to the business, less reliance on IT. Sure. And I guess even with cloud native, you've got a choice of where you wish to deploy that. Yeah. I, you know, each cloud isn't the same. I think um, you should be picking the cloud on what other services that they bring to the table. And when we've partnered heavily with Google, um, we've partnered heavily with Google because of their approach around the, the data, being able to um, incorporate some of those uh, Google data sets in order to better understand the customer, which, you know, in the end helps us deliver a better experience. And that's what it's all about, is delivering the right experience. So yeah, having that, that portability, being able to run it wherever you want, if you're not happy with the service that you, you want, maybe using you know, a cloud vendor, one of the smaller cloud vendors, you can then choose to maybe move up to one of the top, you know, the big three or four type, type vendors if you want. But having that portability is key. Um, but also having the portability, you, you know, you invest in customizations, you invest in integrations. If you're in a traditional SaaS, you tend not to be able to take that with you. If you want to go elsewhere, you're starting from scratch. All that investment in time and effort and knowledge is is lost. So I think yeah, you've you lost know, the reuse, haven't you? Yeah. So you know, when you're looking at total cost of ownership, you shouldn't just be looking at it, you know, from a um, a transaction based basis, you should be looking at it from a, a, an overall, where am I going on my, my cloud journey? Yeah. And have you seen any issues around data sovereignty with some of the, you know, SaaS is a, an immutable platform largely, but have you seen any issues around data sovereignty where clients don't necessarily own their data at the end of the process? That's yeah, become we, a challenge. Yeah, we've, we've definitely seen that. I mean, I think customers worry about their data being shared, anomalized, even if it's an anomalized, uh, but helping their competitors sell more um, and mm. sell against them and beat them. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm a merchant and I've got a, a fairly high volume of transactions, I, I I'm going to be hesitant to share that information with with my competitors. So yeah, definitely, you know, that uh, sovereignty of data and sharing of data. You know, can create problems if you don't if you don't think through all the ramifications. Yeah, understood. No, uh, we've heard likewise at Deep in the Blue similar kind of concerns. And whilst you know SaaS is appealing to certain clients of certain sizes, it's not necessarily for everybody, right? Yeah. And uh, you made an interesting point at the start around uh, the on-premise customers and those tending to be the larger enterprise class businesses that are Fortune 50. I guess one of the benefits here, even with cloud native, is they can use that technology and take and deploy it even on premise if there's a reason from a data sovereignty, a security, or from a complexity of integration requirement on projects. Yeah, definitely. That that flexibility about being able to run anywhere is huge. I mean, we often look at companies and we sort of look at you know the amount of revenue or the amount of transactions they've got, but it's also that that growth path, you know, uh, the sort of uh, customers that are a great fit, you know, for cloud native, they could be just starting out. They could be a startup that is relatively small volumes, but their uh, their growth path is going to take them up through um, um, a process where they want to be able to handle the volumes. They want to be able to move the, the platform around. They want to be able to run it wherever they want. And ultimately, they may decide to, to run it uh, behind their own firewall. No, I agree. I agree. In terms of, you mentioned the Google partnership. 
and you know we're quite away now uh, from the the signing of that. What are some of the benefits that you've seen, and how have you um, adopted some of Google's technology beyond just the compute platform and, and uh, the ability to run the containers? So, what's the innovation? Yeah, you know, maybe uh, stepping back slightly, uh, we've grown the, the the Google partnership. So we started that partnership. Um, I think it was. Uh, early June last last year. We've now expanded that partnership beyond commerce to include the HCL Unica marketing platform and the digital experience platform. So that that, that partnership is growing. The relationship that we have with Google is as has allowed us to, to really sort of understand and tap into the technology that they've got. And you know technology is great, but you know I, I come back to this sort of mantra of the um, the transaction platform that helps you sell more. That's what we're all about. So every piece of um, Google, we're looking at how does it help our clients beat their competition and sell more? That That's the key. So we start to look at things like um, Google product recommendations, Google shopping, um, Google inventory, uh, and I'm sure I'm missing probably um, one of those. Uh, dynamic pricing. pricing. They're yeah. all tools that allow you to um, drive the conversion process. I mean, dynamic pricing, the one I almost forgot there, you know, being able to see what your competitors are doing around pricing, adjust your pricing so that you can uh, deliver the price that is going to um, optimize the conversion process. That That's really how we're sort of driving that, that Google partnership. Excellent. I mean, uh... We as Deeper Than Blue have focused around helping clients trade harder in you know, the, their sites and their, their media properties over the last five to eight years. And, it, and it's great that the benefit, the size of Google and its capabilities are now being ingested into the, you know, something that the HL Commerce platform can extend and deliver around. And that's great news in terms of the product roadmaps. I know you guys have been working really hard in terms of since the acquisition, driving the actual product roadmap and the cadence around releases. You've been doing that on a regular cycle, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we had something like nine releases in the last 12 months. We had two two major releases. You know, by partnering with Google, it's allowing us to accelerate that process. So, you know, we're, we're taking those pieces, we're ingesting that, that data. You know, Google spent a lot of time on some of these um, uh, um, APIs and AIs to really fine tune that process so that we don't have to, to do that. We can take advantage of, uh, I don't know, all the preparation work that they've done in developing those services. And that, that yeah. you know, translates into a more productive roadmap, a roadmap that really does help clients achieve that, that mantra of sell, sell more. And in terms of helping clients understand the insight and intelligence that's coming from their sites. Are you looking at some of Google's other components in terms of BigQuery and Looker in the roadmap in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, um, an underlying need to under to understand the customer. That's the that's the business, and you can um, get a better understanding of that customer if you can incorporate the data that happens within the the HCL Commerce platform the data that uh, Google is collecting, 
and data that's coming maybe from some other third party, ingesting that data and creating um, a, a database of um, uh, knowledge around all your customers. And so that's what you know a customer data platform gives you is that uh, that platform to be able to build on on that experience. Um, and, on the, and the tools that we're looking to do that are, uh, are around things like uh, Google BigQuery. Um, but once you've got that data, you need to be able to provide the insights. The data is data, it's the insights is where the, the value is. So how can I take that data and provide those insights? So tools like Google Looker, where we can visualize that data is key. But then also taking the, ne the next step further and looking at automation, how can we automate some of these processes, particularly around uh, delivering up the experience so that the business users can focus on, on the critical things for, their, for, for how they manage their, 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 their merchandise, allow the more basic decisions to be driven by automation through AI, through Google, through, through the platform. And one of the areas that we've seen in the market is, you know, businesses looking to put a headless capability on their e-commerce platforms, as well as consume services from other systems, whether that be CMS, DAM, but also core line of business applications as well. I know you guys in the product roadmap have been working on a number of different storefronts and enhancing some of the capabilities. Could you just maybe enlighten us in terms of where you're going as a future direction with that and how you see um, that fitting into a more composable model moving forward? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start off and say I hate the headless term. I really, I mean, it, it, it's it just it, it's so inaccurate because everything needs a head in order to interact. But you know, yeah, putting, putting putting that to aside and looking at the separation of the front end from the from the back end, you know, I do think that's that's key. I mean, the the commerce platform comes with um, reference store reference storefronts to accelerate your time to market. So they're built on, on React, they use the um, the APIs. The, the platform is 100% API uh, driven, um, which makes it uh, very easy to look at different approaches that you can take on how you how you manage that experience. But you know, I go I go back to you know those platforms that are sort of the microservices talk about headless we've got to build it all yourself we come at it from the you know we want to give you the pieces so that one plus one equals three so taking a, a, a reference storefront embedding the cms tools the digital asset management tools directly into into that storefront having a, a sort of a central control point with management center now you've got you know those pieces of the storefront plus a content management system giving you uh, more than the individual pieces. So that's sort of the, uh, the, the, the approach that we're looking at is how can we give the tools to the customer that make it easy for a business user to make those changes and react in, in the marketplace? And that, I'm not sure if that answers all your question, Chris, uh, Chris but hopefully that gives you uh, some insight. Yeah, I mean, we've heard a lot about co uh, composable commerce um, in the last couple of years, and there are different approaches. I mean, I, I align this to something that we saw maybe 10 years ago, where you would bring best of breed components together. And at that time, 
you know, what was HL Commerce before, IBM WebSphere Commerce was one of those, and we might bring a search and merge yep. uh, solution to, to help build out that capability. And we're not precluded from doing that today, even in, in the new world, are we? But you guys have spent a lot of time investing and developing the search capability of the product beyond what we knew as the solar offering. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, first of all, it's it's an open architecture. So if you want to do a, like a, a best of breed approach where you bring in a personalization in, engine in or you and develop your own search engine and you want to incorporate that into the platform, you can you can do that. But you know, from a total cost of ownership, every time you add a, a piece, it, it's upping the cost, the overall cost of that that commerce platform. So we come at it from the standpoint that we're an all-in-one platform where we give you the search pieces that we integrate that search back into into the storefront. We integrate search into personalization because if, if you think about it, there's nothing more personal than than search. Um, you know that that type of approach, you know, gives the the customer the opportunity to say, you know, maybe maybe I don't need a, a customer experience platform where I'm only using 20%. Maybe the you know content management capability that is designed for commerce that's embedded and makes it easy for me to uh, build out the experiences, manage the experiences, change the the content. That that gives me everything that I need at a much lower cost. And I'm only, I only have to go to one place in order to manage the experience. I don't have to go off to another console for the customer experience and go off to another console for personalization. It's all there in one single um, management tool. That, that's got to be good for productivity. Well, yeah, I agree. And, and the other aspect, I guess, and we saw this 10 years and, and beyond, um, where you are bringing best breast of best of breed together get my words <laughs> right um you also are managing multiple vendors and you're increasing complexity and certainly in a, in a project implementation you're potentially increasing risk and so whilst you may not want everything out of one single box you, you're certainly allowed able to reduce the number of additional components that you need and the complexity and risk that comes with that and and cost, I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big one for me, though, in terms of moving forward, and I, I don't hear many people talking about this at the moment, and it may be convenient not for them not to, is around the business user's productivity. And if we go back to that point about being able to trade the site and merchandise it and maximize transactions that helps the client, the customer, sell more, that's the piece that I hear very little about in terms of they've got one single cockpit with the HCL commerce offering. Whereas in the microservices world, you could have effectively many different cost cockpits from many different offerings trying to create that composable solution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. You, I mean, you, you brought up a great point about complexity. So you're looking across all the different sales channels that you want, um, that you're that you're managing in your business. Some, you know, more the analog style type business, some of them the, the, the digital. Bringing all that information together so now I can make better informed decisions across all channels in a single cockpit not only increases my productivity, improves the, the decision making that I make for my business, which ultimately translates into um, more conversions, more sales. 
so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, B2B, I mean, we talked about B2B early, B2B is complex, but, you know, the channels that you use to go, mark, go to market, the interactions that you have with those customers, they're all about comp complexity and complexity breeds friction and friction destroys the customer experience. So, I mean, it, it sort of snowballs. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Chris. And just on that point, you you know you you, you mentioned B two B there. Um, obviously, with the situation that the world's been in for the last twelve months, um, and you know we're certainly not out of the woods yet. Um, a lot of businesses have had to change how they go to market, both in business to consumer. We've seen it with retail, but B two B and a number of brands have had to think about how they go direct to customer. Could you just share with us, Peter, how HCL can support and help those businesses with the business models that you can provide on the platform? Um, and can you also share with us what your thoughts are of how you're going to enhance the capabilities with the roadmap in the future? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think you know things are not going to go back to the way they were. Um, but you know, a, a lot of companies they got exposed in the last 12 months around their digital strategy they weren't they weren't ready to be able, you know to be able to shift to um an, a, a contactless sales process um and, and a lot of them took you know a, a, a stopgap solution they took a low end solution that got them up and working and just allowed them to get a catalog up very quickly but what they're finding going back to that complexity message that that doesn't really support their whole business. So, you know, uh, they're now having to revisit their, their digital strategy, looking at how they can support all the different channels. You know, and if I just was to pick maybe, you know, a, a couple of areas that uh, HCL Commerce is looking at uh, to help those, those, those customers, it's uh, three, I would say. It's how can, how can we bring new tools to market that help those sellers for your business. So when we're saying that you still need those sales, that you need still need those salespeople, they may not be able to engage directly. I, I think customers are this in this last 12 months have gone, no, it's actually quite nice not to have a salesperson wander around my office, my warehouse. You know, it's just I actually like dealing with them through um you know this type of uh, this type of format. I I think so. How we can provide guided selling tools that help those sellers, maybe for some of those more complex sales where there's a lot of heavy configuration or um, knowledge required in order to pick pick the right the the, the right products. You know I think secondly, there's um, you mentioned sort of that direct to consumer model. Marketplaces, I think, are um, a, a great way to expand in, in B2B. So how can I sell my products on the, some of the big marketplaces like, uh, like, like an, an, an Amazon B2B, for example? Um, that sort of syndicated approach, having the ability to manage product information going up to the, to the marketplace, being able to receive the orders and do and manage the fulfillment and meeting the customer um, experience expectations. That's um, sort of one approach. The other side of marketplaces is, you know, for the 
maybe for some of the bigger B2B companies, they might want to be their own marketplace. They may want to expand the number of um, products and SKUs that they host on their site as a, as a way to be, uh, you know, to draw more customers in. Yeah. We're building out those capabilities and we'll have those um, later this year. And then I think that the third piece is around that complexity in the sales process. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you need to be able to visualize. I mean, looking at something like uh, uh, some sort of excavator with multiple parts, being able to blow that up, show it as a, a sort of 3D visualization, being able to rotate that, drill in and saying, yes, I want that particular bucket or scoop that goes um, with that excavator. All, all those types of tools are basically helping businesses bring more more transactions into digital. I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right in that um, businesses are finding it difficult. You know, the customer's more informed. They're going, we've known for a number of years now that customers are 60, 70% of the way down the decision-making process before they reach out. And therefore it's ever more difficult for salespeople to engage. The last 12 months have made that more difficult with people yep. remote and home working. Um, and as you rightly say, that's, it's not going to go back. Um, there's still going to be an element of people working remotely moving forward, even when people do slowly go back into offices, towns, and and, and places of work. Um, but I don't think we're going to see anything like what we saw before, where people are five days a week, um, you know, chained to their desk in the office, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, that's great to know that you're developing these capabilities um, and thinking ahead in the B2B and the direct-to-customer model. And, um, Absolutely. You know, we'll look I, yeah, I would, I would just add maybe that um, you talk about people working from home and being a little bit more self-sufficient now in, through the sales process. They're coming into the B2B sales process later. So B2B companies need to think about how they can um, be engaging with those customers earlier in the search when they're doing their Google search. You know, are their products coming up as part of, you know, Google shopping and those types of things. You, you, you need to engage with those customers where they're where they're searching, where they're looking, and those are the those are the capabilities we're adding to the platform. Good. I mean, wrongly or rightly, customers sometimes know you for a specific thing, but your actual range and catalogue of offerings can be a lot broader. But that customer, for some reason, just seems to always buy the same things from you. So here we have a an ability to make them aware of the broader offering uh, and the capabilities that a business can provide to to that customer, don't we? And uh, you know, sometimes the sales guy doesn't always either have the time or sometimes yep. the inclination, inclination or, the knowledge. To, yep. or the knowledge, yeah, to uh, to get that breadth of offering across. Um, so there's a number of reasons why that might be so, but at least this way we, we can surface these things to customers more readily. Yeah, I've had customers say to me, our conversion rate is too high. And you sort of fall off your seat. Well, Wait, what? And, and and it's describing the problem that you just alluded to. A customer knows you for a particular set of products and there's, they go in, they buy that, they get out. Um, there's no that cross-sell, upsell. And you know, uh, what we need to be thinking about in commerce is how can we, how can we sell more by, in, yeah. by you know, exposing them to more of the, the products in, in, the, in the catalog? So, you know, whether that's through content and doing, you know, projects and then saying, you know, we carry all these parts, that's a way. So, yeah, thinking about how we can, you know, manage that cross-sell, upsell 
process when a customer comes in and just looks at a particular product. You're going to make other product recommendations. You're going to make recommendations around projects or ways they they can use those 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 products. That that's the way you're going to grow grow your basket, grow your average order value. Yeah, and I, I can recall a client uh, that Deeper Than Blue has where they, they were talking about, you know, they, they were looking at having to move to another fulfillment or having another fulfillment center, but that was going to take time to, you know, bring that on stream. And so one of the things that they were looking to do was not necessarily to increase range and not necessarily looking to increase order volume, but they did want to increase lines and units per order and they did want to increase the average basket and, and, and order size and so not everybody always wants to necessarily sell more from a volume perspective but they do want to change from an order volume perspective that is but they do want to change the dynamics of what they're selling because sometimes the dynamics can affect the cost base and it's not always more profitable to sell more in, in from a volume perspective so mm-hmm. yeah there's some some interesting nuances with businesses out there in terms of uh, at a point in time, how they might want to behave and shape themselves for growth. Yeah, and it brings us back almost full circle when we were talking earlier about having that single um, control center where those merchandisers, the product managers can see all that information to make those those better informed decisions. Absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, just on that point, um, Recently, there's been a, a report by Quadrant Knowledge Solutions with their Spark Matrix, and I know that uh, they they did two, if you like, comparisons and shootouts. One for B two C digital commerce platforms, and another one for business to business digital commerce platforms. HCL Commerce figured pretty well in both of those reports, um, exceptionally well in terms of being um, in the top right hand corner. Do you want to comment a little bit more in terms of how Spark Matrix is put together and what the differences are between the classic ones that we see from the Gartner Magic Quadrant and the Forrester Wave? Yeah. Um, first, it's, it's, it, it was great news. Um, you know, to be a leader in that Spark Matrix for both B2B and B2C was validation of a, a lot, lot of the investment we've made in the in the platform. You know. We spend a lot of time with the, the team from Quadrant Knowledge Solutions so that they understood really what our strategy was, you know, what our roadmap was, that they understand why why we're betting on cloud native. And and basically, you know, this is sort of feedback and validation is that, you know, they they really like that that architecture. They do see it as the the future of commerce, that cloud native approach. Secondly, they they love the roadmap. They love what we're doing around marketplaces, where we're ingesting data and driving AI. That that was sort of what you know um, came back from uh, the time that we spent with them, and then to see it reflected in the report was great. And then thirdly, they they're big fans of that Google strategy. They you know see Google as a way for us maybe to compete and be a little bit more visible with those 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 big boys in in commerce you know um, really puts us up there in that sort of group with the the top four I mean HL isn't the the best known name when it comes to commerce but you know we we have a platform and we have a path that is going to take us past those other leaders so super excited but you know if I had to summarize it, I would just say that Quadrant Knowledge Solutions 
brought a fresh set of eyes to the marketplace, didn't come with any preconceived uh, ideas around SaaS, around multi-tenant. They went, you know, what it, what is it that the market market needs? And that that was refreshing and that aligns very closely with with the HCL commerce thinking. I don't know, what was your, your thoughts, Chris? Well, I think there are a few platforms that are capable and excel in both business to consumer and business to business. Um, you know, over the years we've implemented HCL Commerce and Explorer Runner, IBM WebSphere Commerce in both types of deployments. And we've always thought there's a rich heritage of capability there. But rarely have we ever come up against the same competitors in, any, in a particular space. Um, and I think in terms of the Spark Matrix report, what's interesting is you're right, you know, that sometimes the Gartner and the Forrester ones are a little bit formulaic. I'm sure every vendor could argue as to whether the timing of that review is right for them in terms of product release cycle and the latest capabilities, um, whether they actually speak to a good uh, proportion of customers and get a, you know, a fair and unbiased view, um, thinking about some of the, the areas that they analyze people on. And so, yes, I guess over time you do look at them, and I'm sure most vendors and SIs could look at those reports, criticize them and shoot holes in them, uh, to be frank. But, yeah, it was good to see the, the, um, the report uh, and the fact that you guys came out really well. Um, and, you know, at the head of the pack, uh, for a platform that we know, love, and have implemented for over 20 years in some shape or form. So it's great to see that that's being recognized. And, and long may it continue, you know, hopefully we'll start to see, you know, Gartner and Forrester pick up on it as well in time. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a watching brief on that one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think you bring up two two great points. Um, B2B, B2C, B2B2C, all on a single platform. That That's a strength of the the, the HCL commerce capabilities. Um, and, and why that's so important today is, you know, as that, you know, as we move into a digital economy and the way you engage with customers is changing, we see retailers wanting to do B2B. So, you know, does you know, B2C going to B2B? We see B2B companies wanting to look more like B2C or direct to consumer. And so that you've got that. And then, you know, being able to, to manage that, you know, going from B to B to C is um, absolutely um, uh, critical. So, Having all that on plat one platform, not having to buy multiple solutions, manage multiple catalogs, uh, it, you know, it's it. There's a total cost of ownership um, story right right there. And then you know when I when I look at um, some of those other uh, analyst groups out there, and the fact that we weren't in the the, the magic quadrant or the wave last year, that was that was purely a timing thing. We came off the acquisition we'd had by law, I guess is the best way I can describe it, had to have a quiet period. We didn't really have anything new to say to them. And we felt like, you know, rather than, than go in and um, maybe not be reflected the way we saw ourselves, we wanted to go away, think about what our core strengths were, take that, that and turn it into a strategy, use that strategy to help drive a roadmap using customer um, suggestions on what we should be doing for the platform 
and and now we've got a really strong story that I think we can we can go to market. So I'm I'm super excited to see what's going to happen with, you know, reports from, you know, vendors like Constellation Research, Paradigm, Gartner, Forrester. They're, those those reports are all all coming up in the next uh, next nine months or so. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing those too. And uh, the future's certainly bright, uh, I think. And where HCL Commerce is concerned, you know, we can see we can see uh, that the the roadmap is driving the product forward. The investment is there, and um, you know, ourselves deeper than blue, we're running a number of clients on different clouds now, and we've just literally become a Google Cloud partner in the last few weeks. So. Uh, you know, we're hoping to see our, our business accelerate with Google as well, uh, as well as with yourselves. Good. No, that's that's great to hear. Peter, thank you for joining me this afternoon, and thank you for taking the time and answering the questions. Really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for thank you for asking, and uh, yeah, I look forward to having something like this again. We can uh, dig into lots of other topics that we never got anywhere near today. I look forward to that. Thank All you. All right. And thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about e-commerce or the HCL platform, you can get in touch with today's speakers at www.deepthanblue.co.uk.